I had another idea for the, a lesson, and that the, the idea was on preaching about the few. And uh, we are the few this morning. We have a large uh, amount of our regular uh, group that is traveling and out on vacation and doing various things. And that happens in the summer months. And so uh, I don't know. I'm going to write it off to that rather than the fact that it's my turn to speak. So I'm just going to leave it as that. But uh, rather than talking about the few this morning, I want to talk about and ask you a question here that uh, is, is on our screen. Uh, do you serve the creature? Now that's kind of an odd question to ask. Uh, and if you look at the, the picture I have, that probably evokes the image of the children of Israel. You remember the story of as, as Moses led them across the Red Sea and he parted the Red Sea and they crossed and the Egyptian army that followed was then destroyed. They got to the other side. And now they were in this wilderness on their way marching to the promised land. Uh, but, God, but Moses went up to the mountain to see God. And God was going to deliver him the Ten Commandments. And he did that. But while he was away, the children of Israel got impatient. They thought, well, is Moses coming back? We've had this God that's led us this far and we need something to carry us forward and they had all this gold so what did they do they built them a golden calf and they made that their god and that was going to be the thing that was going to uh, deliver them from this wilderness that they were in and carry them along their journey since they couldn't count on Moses to return and they weren't so sure that God was still with them um, and so that that comes from this idea of serving the cre creature comes from this idea in Romans chapter 1 and in verse number 25. You'll probably remember that this is, this is a rebuke of the Gentiles and, the, and that God turning his back on the Gentiles because they refuse to accept him and acknowledge him. And in, in verse 25 he says this about him. He says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. And, and I've thought about this probably for a year and thought that this might make an interesting topic uh, to discuss. And, and so I wanted to put together my thoughts. Obviously, this is um, somewhat about idolatry. Uh, and so you might think, well, that really doesn't apply to me because I don't worship a golden calf or uh, a chicken out in the backyard or some statue. I don't do any of those things, so I, I don't have a problem with idolatry. I want to say this morning that idolatry is alive and well in 2023 and in the world that we live in today. And we are constantly bombarded with things that would detract us and move our attention away from serving a creator and rather look at the creation and try to detach that. And you so see, if you think about it, that's really something that's gone on since the beginning of time, is that when God created man, immediately he wanted to try to get his own independence from, from the creator. You know, if, there was, if we had a beautiful picture up here on the wall, let's say that there was some picture here, and it was just beautiful, and it just drew your attention, and you could hardly keep from looking at it, it wouldn't be very long before you asked the question, who painted that? How did they do that? 
you know, we used to have um, Chris Fitch that worshiped with us for a, a number of years. And uh, Chris was a photographer. Now, he wasn't an artist, but he was a photographer. And he would take these beautiful pictures. But I'll tell you that anybody that creates that type of art or that type of thing would like to be acknowledged as its creator. God is no different in that sense, is that he wants us to recognize and acknowledge that he indeed is creator of all. And yet, again, as I said, we see from the, from the very beginning, from the very first sin, it was partially motivated by the fact that, what did Satan say? You remember what he said? So, Satan said to Eve through the, the serpent, he said, can you eat of all the fruit of the garden? And Eve explained to him, well, yeah, we can eat of all the fruit except there's a, a, a tree in the midst of the garden and of that fruit, we're not supposed to eat it, we're not supposed to touch it because if we do, God says it will die. So Satan responds in verse 4 and he says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye shall eat thereof, your eyes will be opened, and you will be as gods. You don't have to listen to this creator anymore. You can be your own god. So from the very beginning, this has been something that man has had a problem with, is having something that is above him and that he must give answer to. And so you see that, and you see that in other things to, uh, as well. Think about the Tower of Babel, chapter, Genesis chapter 10. That was an attempt for man to get up to reach God. God wasn't ready for them to do that. Not that they could have done it anyway, but God wasn't ready for them to even attempt that. And so he caused them to speak different languages and spread them out across the world. And, uh, and so you see man's attempt to be more than mortal man and to be equal with God. It's always been a problem. Just look at American society today. Uh, what you see is you see increased affluency, but that being coupled with increased depression and increased anxiety. Now, just intuitively, if you think about these things, wouldn't it make sense that as we became more affluent and things were easier and better, wouldn't anxiety go down? Wouldn't depression go down because life is better and easier because of these things? But we find exactly the opposite. Look at some statistics, and these are a few, and you probably know that we could spend the whole morning talking about statistics just on this. But one-third of adults report depression in 2023. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for people 15 to 34, right behind automobile accidents. Suicide rates have quadrupled for males ages uh, 15 to 24 since 2000. And, uh, and, and they've doubled for females. You look at the proliferation of mass shootings, and you know we're not trying to get into a political issue here, whether guns or no guns, but we have to acknowledge that those are a real problem, and they are a symptom of a godless society that is struggling to try to live in a, in a time without their creator. We even have a day that's an earth day. This is just... This, is, this came to mind initially is that 
you know, there's the environmental movement. You see so many radical things. Again, I'm not trying to be political here. And I will say this. I think what we need to do is we need to look at the world that God gave us and be thankful that God gave us that and, and worship the Creator and be thankful to the Creator and the best that we can to be stewards of the things that He's given us. So it's not, it's not okay just to, to try to pollute the environment and, and just, uh, you know, willy-nilly don't worry about it. But again, I think if you look at what really goes on in these events, you will acknowledge that it is an, it's, for the most part, it's in a movement to worship the creature, the creature and not the creator. We see in the United States, uh, we're promised freedom of religion, but it's kind of moved to from, or freedom of religion is moved from freedom of religion to freedom from religion. So let's, let's man can do completely away with that. Um, we see in our world today open and widely accepted practices that God has condemned. You can't turn on a television show that's made in, in the last five years that you won't see some kind of reference uh, where they're, they're, they're trying to sell you on the idea that homosexuality is okay. And so there'll always be a character, a favored character in the show that will be, uh, be a homosexual. And that is, that's something that is just portrayed and, and taught to us by these shows that that's just a normal thing. And another one, again, I don't want to pick on homosexuals alone, but they will show a, a man and a woman that uh, they've got this relationship and they've decided to move in together and they're living together before they're married. It's the same kind of thing. And so these, society is teaching us that these things are okay but they do not align with what God has taught. There's a widening gap between what's conventional wisdom and what's God's wisdom. And so uh, I had a conversation with a co-worker some years ago, and it happened to be about she had gone to a Bible study, and the people at the Bible study were talking about homosexuality being wrong, and just the way that, that this person, she came back to me and was talking to me about it and was reasoning that, well, you know, these are really good people, and they love God, and, and they just happen to practice this act that God said a long, long time ago it was, was not right. But is it not right today? So that was her, her idea was that because the context was different, it must be okay. But all we know is that God, God defined it as, as immoral back in the Old Testament, he defined it as immoral in the New Testament, and we don't have any updates from that. That's, that's what we know about God, and God's nature doesn't change. And so, uh, again, you see, it's just the, the point is that society begins to move farther and farther and farther in this gap between what God teaches and what society says is conventional wisdom becomes larger and larger. So you think about the fact that God created you and I to have a relationship with Him. That's the natural way. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with me. And, but it's kind of like a tree. You know, this is a beautiful tree I've got here on the screen. But what if I were to tell you that the roots were completely severed from this tree? 
that there's no roots, that, that this tree is just sitting there and it's being propped up and uh, the first time a big wind comes up, what's going to happen? It's, it's going to tip over. In fact, even if a wind doesn't come up over time, because this tree has no way to get nourishment, uh, it's, it's going to begin to wither and decay and die. We know that, that the roots are what makes it strong. And so it might look beautiful in the moment, but we know that decay is imminent. And I think that's true of society that is a godless society that you get into decay is, is imminent because of that. And this isn't the first time. I don't want you to think that 23, 23 is all bad and all the times before that were all good. We've gone through many, many occasions where uh, people were far from God. But I think we're there again as a society. So again, looking at just, this is a graph of, now I want you to, I want to make a point about this graph. This is people that have no religious affiliation. So think about that. Is This is kind of a proxy for people that says there is no God. Religious affiliation could be almost anything. It could be, you know, Islam. It could be Buddhism, Hinduism. Uh, any, and we, we know that in American society there's a proliferation of these things. So we're not talking about, uh, we're not talking about Christian faith necessarily, but just the idea of religion itself. And so you look at from, from 2000 to, to 2020, the green line on the bottom is the traditionalist. There's an older generation. So that goes from 4% to 7%. And then, so the, the uh, traditionalists gave birth to the baby boomers. And the baby boomers, that's my generation, less religious than its predecessors. And so we give birth to the millennials, and the millennials, less, less religious than we, and then you get... I mean, the Generation X, and then millennials are less than that. And so you see this deterioration in American society from the standpoint of, of being willing to acknowledge and follow God in any form, in any form. If you were to look at what's, you know, conservative Christianity, that would be, that would be much, much, much larger percent that wouldn't have anything to do with that. So I want to take a few minutes and go through that passage now. Uh, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look beginning in verse number uh, 18. And I'm using God's Word translation here uh, because I think it simplifies. Some of the, the King James is a little bit clumsy, and I think it'll be easier for us to understand if we just look at it in, the, in God's Word. I don't believe that the, the meaning has been distorted in any way. But the first thing I want you to notice that God's anger is revealed from heaven against every ungodly and immoral thing that people do as they try to suppress the truth by their immoral living. You know, if you think about a person that's a good, moral, Christian person, they manifest God's glory. Well, if you're not manifesting God's glory by living a good, moral, righteous life, 
And that's what we do for each other as we come together in fellowship and spend time with one another. We are an encouragement to one another because I see what you're good at and I see your strengths and that encourages me to look at myself and improve on the things where I'm not so good. So a good moral life is a manifestation of the glory of God and an immoral life is a suppression of that truth. What can be known about God is clear to them. Again, he's talking to the Gentiles here. Because he had made it clear to them from the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly observed in what he made. As a result, people have no excuse. In other words, if you just look, if you just look and you see the creation, you see a sunrise or a sunset, do you not see the glory of God in that? Do you not see the workmanship of His hand in that? And when we, when we just see this as some type of science experiment about reflect, refracting light, and we don't see God's glory behind it, then we're missing the key point. I've got a picture here of the, the Grand Canyon. Uh, again, another thing, is this just a geological experiment or exercise? Or is this a manifestation of God's glory? I think as Christians, I hope we see this as a manifestation of God's glory. But again, I think as the world looks at it, they just see this as just science. It says, and they knew God, but they did not praise and thank Him for being God. But instead of being thankful for what they were given, their thoughts were pointless. And I just look at all the... The, the ways that, that science has, again, I know you can't prove the existence of God, that's why you have faith. Um, but there are so many that jump to the conclusion that because you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. And so I think that's what he's saying here. He says, but they knew God, but they didn't praise Him and, and thank Him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless and their, their misguided minds were plunged into darkness while claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's the way God looks at them. They're wise by man's thinking, but foolish by God's. And what did they trade? It talks about here an exchange, and they exchanged. What did they exchange? The glory of God for statues that looked like mortal humans, birds, animals, snakes, those are the things that, that they begin to worship and recognize as their God. So in verse 24, he starts out and he says, And for this reason God allowed their lust to control them. In the King James, and I like the King James in this way, is it says, God gave them up. It says, and it's going to say this over the course of the next few verses. It's going to say it three times that God gave them up, or as it says here in, the, in this version, it says God allowed their lust to control them. As a result, they dishonored their bodies by sexual perversion with each other. These people have exchanged God's truth for a lie. So they have become ungodly and served what is created rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God allowed their shameful passion 
to control them. God gave them up. Their women have exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Likewise, the men have given up their natural sexual relations with, with women and burned their lust for each other. Men committing indecent acts with men so that they experienced amongst themselves the punishment they deserve. So here's the thing about God giving you up. God will give you up and will let you choose the God you want to serve. But he will, he will not come to your rescue when that God takes you off in a path that you shouldn't be going, that, that you're naturally going to go. Let me give you an example. If my God is money, at some point money won't buy my health. Money won't buy me love of my family. My, money won't buy me everything that I might need to be happy and sustained. If that's my God and I don't repent from that and I don't turn from that, God's going to let me follow that God to my own destruction. And He's not going to stop it. You look at what happened to the children of Israel, the ten tribes that went to the north. They went to the north and they started following, uh, they started worshiping Baal, and it wasn't very long before the Assyrians came in and wiped them completely out, scattered them out. There's no even remnant. It was just, they were intermarried with other people, and so they, they lost any uh, national identity because they chose to, God sent them prophets and warned them, and they kept doing it. And because they kept doing it, eventually God said, well, that's your God, then I'm giving you up to that, and you can serve it. Uh, you know, there's, you could think about a, a, a case where someone worships, if, 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 if sports are your big thing, and you know, I, I was a coach for years, and sports was my big thing. Gotta be careful that that didn't become your God. Because at some point, it will let you down. It will let you down. It will not keep you sustained. It might work for a while, but there's a time out there that it's going to fail. So it's interesting in this cycle you see that we start with immorality. You live an immoral life. Well, that suppresses God's truth. Suppression of God's truth leads to a society that in general is not thankful. Not thankful to God doesn't think they need him. And so you start to see this pulling apart of this relationship between man and God. So immorality leads to suppression of truth. That leads to being unthankful. That leads to idolatry. That leads to following something else. Man needs something to follow. And it may not be in the form of a statue, but it'll be in the form of something. Listen, today, every person in the United States something is on the throne of their heart. Every person in the United States, every person in the world, you've picked something to put on the throne of your heart and everything else is, is, is secondary to that. It doesn't mean that they're not important, but it means they're secondary. And that thing that's sitting on the throne of your heart, that is your God. So immorality leads to suppression of truth, leads to unthankfulness, that leads to idolatry, and here's the worst part. God gives you up. He says, that's your God. Follow it. 
and you'll, it'll take you to its natural conclusion, which is going to be unhappy and miserable. That's, that's what happens. I, I've, I'm reminded of the, of the verses. Uh, there's a verse in uh, 1 Timothy in chapter 4, in, in verse number 2, where the Apostle Paul refers to having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's like it's, like it's seared over so that nothing can penetrate it. Their, their conscience no longer works to filter out those things that you should be able to identify as right and wrong. And, it's, and it's, uh, it ceases to work. And I see that in this situation of God giving you up, is that no longer does your conscience, your conscience doesn't filter those things out anymore. In Hebrews chapter 6, and about verse number 4, it talks about someone that it was, it's impossible that someone that they come to the knowledge of the truth and if they depart, they won't be able to find repentance. There's a point that someone can go so far that God gives them up. And it's not that God can't forgive through Jesus Christ and His blood, but it's that that person has gone so far they can't find their way back. So again, we return to, to this particular slide. I just wanted to point out here that uh, it's, it's almost like if you look at go, from going from 4% to 7% for the traditionals, and then look where the baby boomers started, 7%, and then it moved, rises up to 13, and then the, the Generation X is 11, almost where these guys end is where those guys start. So extrapolate that out two or three generations, and if something doesn't happen to change it, then man will be pretty far from God altogether. Again, we've already shown that slide. I don't want to spend a lot of time there. But I think it's pretty informative of the culture of man. And so you think about a human, a person that is a young child. A young child clings to their parent, but then begins to explore independence. And we do that all of our life. We run back to safety when things are tough but then we step out to express our independence. And a child does that. But even in a relationship that is mature, so this child grows up, they, they express themselves, they, they reach their independence, but in a healthy relationship, a parent never stops being a parent. Th those of you that are older know that. Is a parent never stops being a parent. You're always going to be parenting your children if it's, a, if it's a healthy relationship. Now, I know there's relationships that are estranged and people get estranged from their children. I understand all that. But if it's a healthy relationship, you're going to maintain a relationship even as an adult. And I would say that's what God wants with us. Is he wants us to be self-sufficient and independent but not from him. So let's look here in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some apostles and prophets, uh, missionaries. Again, this is from God's word, so you'll notice a little bit different language than you're probably used to seeing. As well as pastors and teachers, as gifts to the church, 
Their purpose is to prepare God's people to serve and to build up the body of Christ. This is to continue until all of us are united in the faith, in the knowledge of, the, of God's Son, until we become mature, until we measure up to Christ who is the standard. Then we'll be, be no longer little children tossed to, uh, tossed and carried about by all kinds of teaching and change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. So he wants us to mature, but he wants us to mature in the things we've been taught so that we can exercise those things and we can pass those on to the next generation and that they can live those things. The relationship all the way through your life, God wants a relationship with you. Again, a, a verse about maturity says, Strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even to those who by the reason of use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. He wants you to understand right and wrong and to use that. So if you think about the cycle of you want to hear the word, you want to read the word, you want to do the word. Hear the word, read the word, do the word, and repeat that cycle over and over and over again until your faith becomes stronger and stronger and stronger rather than one that's being tossed to and fro and carried about. Like a, like a child that's going to chase every shiny object that they see. So just, I just thought we would conclude with just some things that might be personal signs and symptoms of trying to chase and follow the, crea the creature rather than the creator. First and last thought of the day. So when you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? How long is it before you have a thought about God's church or about God's people or about God or about His Word. How deep into your day are you before that happens? And then finally, the last thought. What's the last thoughts that you have of the day? If they're, if they're not something about God, then you should consider. Abandon Christian principles during time of distress. Seeking man's wisdom rather than biblical wisdom. So when things go wrong, do you seek some counselor that doesn't even know, is not a Christian? Do you seek some wisdom of someone that's a co-worker but is not a godly person? You become insensitive to immorality. I'll tell you as a Many of you know that I was an assistant principal at a middle school for two and a half years. And you see lots of stuff. And you get insensitive to those things. And they stop bothering you on a personal level because you see so much of it. And brethren, I will tell you that any time that, that we practice something over a long period of time, it dulls your sensitivity. It sears your conscience with a hot iron. That's what the, the apostle was writing about. And do you only turn to a God, God in a crisis? Are you like that kid that wants to get out and be independent but run back and pray to God when things go south? God said this in Isaiah chapter uh, 26. 
Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Is our mind stayed on, on Christ? Is our mind stayed on our Father in heaven? Jesus said this, these people honor me with their lips. In other words, there's a whole lot of people out there that will claim to be Christians, but their hearts are from, far from me. They're still worshiping the creature, creature and not the creator. So again, I would just conclude with that question. I will be honest with you, I have been guilty of serving the creature. Serve the creature because it was easier in the moment and it was, it was more fulfilling in the moment. But following that path, God will give us up to our passions and it'll lead to more immorality and those things end, a lot of, end in a lot of pain for people. So this morning, uh, I would encourage you to consider yourself. If the church can assist you in any way, we are going to offer a song of invitation. Uh, we would ask you to come forward if you need assistance of the church as we stand and as we sing together.